0: Welcome to the Husband Material podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Today on the show, we have Greg Oliver from Awaken Recovery in Alabama. Welcome, Greg. Hey, Drew. Thanks for having me. Excited to talk to you today. Awesome, I'm excited too, and excited to spend some more time with you since we've already been interacting in the Facebook
1: group. That group has been phenomenal. It's been it's been so cool, and I've I've met several men uh, just because that was the setup, and uh, have had some ongoing communication with several of them, and and a few have joined our online meetings. So it's it's been a blessing that you set that up. It's it's really doing a service for a lot of men who, who need community and recovery. So thank you for that.
0: You're welcome, myself included. Especially for those of us who are leading, we need that ongoing support yeah. as well. And that's a big part of your story is being a leader and getting into recovery.
1: That's true. So this is December when we're recording this. So next month, January of 2021, will be 12 years that I've been in recovery, meaning 12 years since I was exposed. Um, prior to that, for about 15 years, I was in. Um, uh, pastoral leadership. I was a worship pastor the last 12 or 11 years was at one particular church here in Birmingham. And uh, man, it is it is not recommended to be trying to juggle ministry and, and pastoral leadership with a hidden sexual addiction. And that's what I tried to do for, oh gosh, such a long time. And it was miserable. But uh, yeah, thankfully God exposed that in January of 09 and and I've been, you know, on a path to recovery and identity and wholeness ever since then. But yeah, uh, leadership in, in ministry has been a part of my story for a long time. Congrats
0: on making it this far.
1: Well, we get there one day at a time, don't
0: we? One day at a time and some days are harder than others, which is what we're talking about today. Right. We're talking about the yeah. holidays, oftentimes the most difficult time of the year, I read a stat from the website Pornhub that said Mm -hmm. that on a typical year, the days of highest traffic to Pornhub, the largest porn provider in the world, are the day after Thanksgiving and two days after Christmas.
1: Yeah. And and to me, that makes perfect sense. And face value, until you really look down, you might think, gosh, that's weird. You know, Why would it be more around the holidays? But it it makes an awful lot of sense. I know we're going to talk about that.
0: Yeah. So why do we tend to sexually act out more during the holiday season?
1: Well, you know, I said that I used to be in church ministry. And so when I when I prepare stuff to talk about, I just kind of can't resist the urge to alliterate. Um, and so <laughs> in getting ready for today, I was thinking about that. And I actually jotted down some notes. And there are really four things that I came up with. And they all start with the letter F. Um, I got family, friends, faith, and finances, Um, and so I think those are a lot of the big, the big gun reasons why acting out tends to go up and family is probably number one. Um, you know, the holidays and the way that they're promoted and the messaging, it's so much about family. And for a lot of people, family, for a lot of people with, with unwanted sexual behavior, family is a source of our greatest pain, right? I mean, whether it's abuse, neglect, abandonment, um, family is like, Going, going home to see our family is like returning to the scene of the crime for mm. a lot of people. And when we've got to spend time or when we choose to spend time with people, we're just going back to something that is going to be firing up all kinds of associative triggers in our, <laughs> in our brains and in our bodies.
0: Yeah, I like to say, it's
1: the most triggering time of yeah, the year. It is. I actually wrote a blog post a few years ago, and that was what I called it. But it's it, it, exactly it is. And, you know, there's a flip side of that coin too, Drew, that some people would really love to be able to spend time with their families and they can't. I mean, not everyone mm-hmm. has a traumatic uh, or a significantly traumatic experience with their families, but some of them can't see them either because of death or distance or COVID, you know, and just having to to, to keep their distance. And so yeah. really on both sides of the spectrum, family can be tricky. So for
0: some of us, The holidays mean being close to family, which brings pain. And for some of us, we're far from family. And that... That also brings pain. Yeah, that brings the pain of not being too close, but not close enough. And and that loss and grief. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
1: So family is huge. And I think it's just important that we be aware of it. uh, Mm. Because sometimes we can kind of just... Maybe we haven't done very much work centered around family yet, and so we don't know what's going on. We just know that something's off. Um, but we look at, well, why do I act out every time I spend time with my parents? You know, and there are reasons. Um, friends is another one. I mean, similar to kind of what we talked about with families. Um, for some of us, friends have been a mixed bag of experiences. But but honestly, some of us, some people don't have very many friends, or don't have many friends that they feel safe enough to really be open and honest. And so they may be in a crowd of people, but they feel like they're wearing a mask. And, you know, it feels close, but they feel like they're not really connecting. And so it can, even in a crowd, it can feel really lonely um, when it comes to friends. Faith is the third one, um, because as a Christian, um, you know, I I can feel conflicted during the holidays. I mean, I know the, the messages of what I'm supposed to feel. I'm supposed to feel gratitude and joy and peace because of the coming of Jesus, but sometimes I feel something else because yeah. I got baggage. Um yeah. some of the people who represented Jesus in my life didn't do a very good job of it. And mm-hmm. so I may have some resentments or maybe even some unrealized resentments towards God that kind of make me feel funky you know, with all this mention of of the birth of Christ.
0: For me, when I hear you say that, I'm reminded that we tend to emphasize Christmas and underemphasize Advent, this uh-huh. time of leading up to Christmas, which traditionally in the church calendar is marked by longing and right. darkness and difficulty. Yeah. And how validating is that?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, God knew he knew then and he knows now. And I think that, that if we can be part of a better message uh, or more comprehensive message, that's going to be a great thing. You know, and yeah. the, you know, the last thing was finances. You know, So much emphasis on gift giving. It can turn materialistic really quickly. Um, and some people whose finances are maybe tight, they can't do what they'd like to do, can feel shame because we can feel shame over anything. Um, if we tend to be driven by shame, then we're going to find something to feel bad about. And we don't like the constant reminders of things that we can't afford to have or buy mm. it can breed discontentment. So anyway, that was my, that was what came to my mind. It was family, friends, faith, and, and finances are really, all those things are converging. It's like the perfect storm around the yeah, holidays. Totally.
0: So we have family, friends with a lack of right faith and finances all to be aware of.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, this stirs up all these feelings and there's another, Yeah, that's right. And we don't, and I mean, historically, I never wanted to sit in that, right. Cause it felt like garbage and who wants to sit in a pile of garbage of emotion. And so, you know, what would I do is I'd escape. And uh, escape through acting out is is just what a lot of people have automatically learned to do. And it's just heightened, I think, throughout the holiday season.
0: It makes a lot of sense. For me, coming from doing small groups in college with guys trying to break free from our sexual behavior, Christmas was always like this stagnant cesspool. And I noticed that a lot of times people who would be making progress throughout that fall semester and learning and growing. We'd come up to Christmas and all of it would go out the window and we'd feel
1: like, gosh, have I really grown at all? I feel like I'm back at the yeah. beginning. Right. It's the most natural thing in the world probably to feel that way. And I don't know what your experience was like, Drew, but I know in my experience with accountability groups, there was a lot of Affirming the wrong thing, like when I would, mm. if I would ever say I feel like all my progress has gone out the window, I'd be like, yeah, that kind of sucks. Mm. <laughs> and it wouldn't be like, no, I mean, this is a bump in the road, you know. Don't forget about all the progress that's been made. A lot of times we feel that way because that's a, the typical messaging that we give is, mm-hmm. you know, the progress has to be steady and constant. And if you have any <laughs> any bumps, then you got to go all the way back. It's like you know, shoots and ladders when you go down that, that biggest ladder, the biggest <laughs> shoot, and you're like, crap, I'm all the way back at the beginning of the game, you know, and that's not how, that's not how recovery works, right. but it's how a lot of us feel like it works. Right. What I find is that
0: even though I have grown and I have changed, sometimes the level of challenge that I'm up against is higher than it ever was before. Right. And when that yeah. happens, especially during the holidays we need to be able to recognize we we might not be facing the or we might not have had the same kind of support or easy environment or lifestyle or relationships that we had previously yeah
1: but you know what if that heightened challenge that you were talking about Hmm. i mean i guess one option is maybe the challenge has heightened but maybe it's just my awareness of it that's heightened because i'm not checking out all the time and so even the perception that the challenge is higher could be evidence that what you're doing is working and that God is working through the process because now my heart and my mind are staying engaged rather than, than trying to escape all the time. And sometimes it feels like it gets worse before it gets better. That actually can be evidence that, that you're going in a good direction. Wow.
0: What a powerful reframe. I mean, to see even that awareness yeah. as something to celebrate.
1: Of, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I'm coming to know myself better, Mm -hmm. and I'm coming to know what my triggers are and what those situations are. Right, and you know, initially it feels terrible because like I'm not checking out, but um, it's very empowering. Yeah. So after you get over that initial hump, yes.
0: So when I go home for Christmas, if I'm Mm -hmm. a young guy and I'm staying with my parents, maybe I'm sleeping in the same room where I was yeah. exposed to porn or sleeping in the same room where I was abused as a young boy.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: That awareness is going to feel overwhelming.
1: You're sleeping in the same bed where you taught yourself how to masturbate yeah. or, or taking a shower in the same shower stall, you know, and, and we all know that events and memories and traumas, they're stored in the body. And we talk about visceral responses and we have those. I mean, sometimes you can have them just when you're walking in the door or driving in the driveway of the house that you grew up in. And it's, it's, it's low boil, right? We're, we're not thinking, oh, as I'm driving in the driveway, this is happening. My vagus <laughs> nerve is being tricked. You know, we don't think about all this stuff because right. we don't know. We, we just know that something's happened. If we're married, like my wife always used to point out, you just get really pissy when we get around, you know, your, your family at Christmas. And, um, and I did. And it, and it wasn't because of anything that they were doing now. And it wasn't necessarily because of any specific thing that they did in the past. It was just the association of those years and the, the birth of, you know, my checking out and acting out and what became my addiction. And, and that was where it happened. It was, like I said earlier, it's like returning to the scene of the crime.
0: Exactly. So when we get triggered, we feel like that little boy again. Yeah, exactly. Without even realizing it. That's right. Greg, what were some of the things that would come up for you when you would go
1: home? Some of the things that would come up for me would just be some of the dynamics between members of my family. Um, And um, like I said earlier, it wouldn't even necessarily be that those same things that I perceived and remembered were even happening, but just having conversations with a certain family member would just remind me. And um, it would just kind of feel like this would remind me of that Um, if there were members of my family that didn't get along very well. And I would remember like that conflict when I was younger and I would just feel the way that I felt like I've got to Get the heck out of here you know i just don't want to be around this because it just feels so dark and so stifling um i just would after about 24 hours I, I would just be ready to go home um and one of the things that was frustrating would be when we're back at the the home that i grew up in um or at least the home that we that we built when i was in high school so i spent a lot of time there. Um, I couldn't act out while I was there because we're all in cramped quarters and there's no place to sneak away to go act out. And so, you know, all of the tension is there, but none of the release, even the bad release is not available. And so I couldn't wait to get home. Number one, just to be back in something that was familiar. But part of that familiarity was I'm I'm free to sneak off and act out. So that's how it always kind of was for me. And that urge to
0: get away is something which seems really important
1: to me. Mm. Tell me what you mean by that.
0: Well, your body was telling you this place is not safe for me. Mm. And it sounds like it wasn't.
1: Right. That's right. And, and so, you know, now I feel like we're almost honing in on the difference between escape and boundaries, right? Because, they can be kind of next door neighbors. And one of them is the neighbor that doesn't take very good care of his house and his place. And the other is more responsible because it's not that it's not that I need to just get over it necessarily and say, well, it's, you know, that was then this is now. So just forget about it and just enjoy your time going there. I mean, there might be a very legitimate need and cause for setting some boundaries. Maybe, maybe there, it is good to have a time limit for how long I stay there yeah. because beyond that, it just becomes really difficult for me to maintain a good emotional place. But that's not the same thing as let me get out of here so I can go home and, you know, go find a place to go act out.
0: Okay. So we're getting into something very <laughs> important, which is the question, how can we approach the holidays in a mature way? And it sounds like you're saying boundaries are really important.
1: We, we talked earlier about just the self-awareness and being, you know, like what is actually going on here? I think one, one thing to be mindful of that I would just encourage every, every brother who's watching this is to, you know, we've talked about the family dynamics, but another one is realize that you've probably to some extent gotten out of your healthy routines. Mm-hmm. You've been working on setting up those healthy sure. routines. And oh. I, I think between Thanksgiving and New Year's, it's <laughs> kind of like, it's sort of no man's land, yeah. right? Because a lot of time yeah. work can slow down Regular events like recovery meetings can be less consistent. Um, we tend to make fewer calls. We tend to see our allies in recovery less. Um, when we're thinking about calling, we're like, "Oh gosh, it's Christmas. I don't want to bother them." And so we tend to shrink back from the routines that we've been setting up that are actually really encouraging us to live healthy. And some of that's unavoidable, but some of it, some of it, we ab- absolutely have you know the ability and the power to keep consistent. It just may take a little extra work so i think that's that's some of it it's just the vigilance that's necessary um for me honestly drew part of my awareness is winter weather um mm. getting dark at four thirty in the afternoon or starting to get dark at four thirty. it's overcast all the time um it's cold um, that just really like I, I realize that when there's a lack of sunshine that has a big effect on my emotions. I mean, seasonal affective disorder is real. And even if you don't have that in like a diagnosable way, I think it's important to realize that the changing of the seasons can affect you, um, especially when combined with all of the other, you know, family history stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like approaching the holidays, you, the question you ask is, how can we do it? I think you said with like a more mature mindset. Or
0: yeah, totally. Staying in
1: our adult self and not letting, as Eddie Says it not letting the kid have the keys to the car, right? You yeah. Know? Um, but I, I, I have something that I encourage the men who come to our recovery meetings at Awaken um, to do, and it and and they're three dailies, uh, and to help it be easy to remember, I call it CPR, um, mm-hmm. and that stands for call, pray, and read. Um, and so I, I tell people that I believe that a person in recovery ought to be making at least one phone call every day. Um, And that's a phone call, not a text message, because it's important to hear somebody else's voice. Um, Plan to call somebody at least once a day, two or three times if you feel like where I am right now, that's necessary. Um, And then if you find that when you're making calls, you get a lot of voicemails, then talk to people ahead of time and say, hey, I'd like to call you over the next week once a day. Are you open to that? And if so, what's the best time to call you when you're most likely to be able to answer? Um, And then that way you're not setting yourself up for feeling rejected, you know, by your allies and then have backups. What do I do if the first person doesn't answer? I call the second person or the third person. We have a, a phone list that we actually print up and have at our meetings that people can take. And it's got like 40 guys, first name, last initial and phone number on it. And I tell them, if you have this phone list, it doesn't matter if you know this person. By being on this list, they have said. I'm willing to take calls from people, whether I know them or not. Mm -hmm. And, and so calling is a really, really important part of it. The P stands for pray. Um, I think that it's, it's not unreasonable to think that we could spend at least a little bit of time in prayer every day. Uh, and I'm not talking about like 30 minute, you know, eloquent prayer, like you would hear somebody, you know, giving a church service, it can just be help. God, like, I don't know what to do. Like I need your help. Um, we recognize that we might have some baggage with God that might make us not want to pray. Um, you know, if that's the, the case, tell him about it. It's not like he doesn't know. Um, it's also not like he can't handle it. Um, he's not mad about it. You know, he understood, you talked about Advent and how just the condition of the world and darkness and pain and mourning, like God knows that may be where your heart is. And so you might as well tell him cause he's listening Um, and I think that he wants us to experience the real him and not the version of him that we've been told about, which sometimes is the farthest from the true God. Um, and, and so I think that prayer is one of the ways that we can connect with him better. And then reading, um, scripture, even if it's just a short passage, um, and if it's difficult, I always tell people start in the Psalms. Um, specifically I tell people start in the thirties because Mm. the Psalm thirties, have some of the deepest gut-wrenching heart cry that people in recovery will be able to relate to. And so start there. Uh, In case you're feeling like nobody understands how you feel, David understood how you felt and he wrote about it a lot. And, but, but also, um, you know, recovery books or healthy sexuality books, um, you know, and not like chapters a day. A lot of times we say, well, I'm going to read a book in two days and then we don't. And then we're like, Oh, I'm a failure. Well, don't set, unrealistic goals for yourself. Just say, I'm going to get through this book and it's going to take as long as it takes, but I'm going to read a paragraph today. Um, and maybe that paragraph is what I need to read five times because there's one thing in there that I'm going to carry with me and learn something new. Um, and then one, one last thing on the reading, I don't want to be like overly literal. It has to be like words on a page. I think that that kind of content we can get through podcasts um, or, you know, good things to listen to. Some of the videos that you've put out um yeah, you know, the, the place we find ourselves podcast is one of the best ones I've ever heard with Adam Young. Um, and it can help, you know, a lot of those light bulbs come on. So CPR is really, really helpful, at least I've found it to be. And uh and that's what I encourage a lot of the guys in our recovery community to do. I love it. Let's breathe. <sighs> CPR. Mm-hmm. So good. And what is CPR fo- focusing on? It's focusing on the heart. You know, we've got a problem with our heart. And so we need to do some very specific things um, in order to, to give our heart the attention that it needs. Learning to ask ourselves questions, right? Just kind of having our finger on the, the emotional pulse. Um, naming my emotions has been huge. Uh, like, wow, I'm feeling really sad right now. and And then talking to somebody else about it and not feeling like, gosh, if I tell him I'm sad, he's going to think I'm like less manly. No, not if you pick the right person. They won't. Um, you know, finger on the pulse. I'm feeling sad. And when I'm sad, this often happens. And so what do I need to, what do I need to do to, to compensate or address my sadness?
0: Need some CPR.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, for me in Christmas of 2014, I was coming off the end of a relapse that i had had after a year of sobriety. Mm-hmm. It was my final one before really outgrowing pornography once and for all. And I remember coming up to the holiday season and feeling like I have already been drifting away so far. I feel like this riptide of the holiday season is going to take me even farther. So I tethered myself to one of my allies and we yeah. did call each other for at least five minutes every night. Yeah. And for a single guy like me at that time, it was such a powerful, redemptive, corrective experience, but so simple, so That's ridiculously right. simple That's to right. call, to pray together. And of course, reading had to be a part of it in order to stay rooted in my relationship with God. And that Christmas break disproved so many yeah. of the lies that I had been carrying.
1: Well, and what you did is you introduced, um, you introduced just simple, but consistent process, you know, sexual addiction, if that's what we're dealing with is a process addiction. Um, you know, it's misusing a process. Our sexuality is a gift, but when we misuse it to try to do something that it wasn't designed to, to, to have as our experience, it's going to go sideways. And so our recovery necessarily has got to be process driven as well now not exclusively because the process of misusing my sexuality was largely going on because i was disconnected from my heart i wasn't addressing what was really going on yeah. so now in the process of recovery i am addressing my heart through therapy through you know some of these experiences that i that i do where i stay engaged but that doesn't mean that there isn't a process that goes along with that it's just the process isn't going to fix me but the process, when it's combined with the understanding that is growing by leaps and bounds, is going to be something that God uses. Because I, I don't know, you probably, just about every man you've ever talked to who struggle with addictive or compulsive behavior has prayed, God, take it away. Yeah, You know, we want him to like do the I dream of Jeannie <laughs> thing and it's just poop, it's gone. But that's not how we got into it. Why do we mm-hmm. think that's how we're going to get out of it? And even scripture talks about how God makes change through process. You know, he who started the work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. In Romans 12, Paul talks about the transformation and the word that is used in the Greek is the word for metamorphosis, which, you know, in the whole butterfly, caterpillar to butterfly thing, that's a lengthy process of change. So if it's taking a while, don't be disheartened. Just know that's how it's supposed to work. You know, if, if somebody's got a testimony where once they said, I'm, I'm walking away from porn, they never struggled again. A, I'm going to probably be skeptical, but if that's their experience, then God bless you. And I'm happy for you. But that was not most people's experience. Most people's experiences, it happens over time and that's okay. That's how sanctification happens. And it's not a defect. That's actually the design.
0: Amen. Greg, today you've given us some things we can remember. The four F's. What make it really hard to get through the holidays, family, friends, faith, Faith, finances, and finances. Yeah. We have some practices that can help keep our heart beating with CPR. Mm -hmm. And what I hear you now saying is we also need to just have a zoomed out big picture view that this is a process. So this year. With such a unique and weird holiday season in light of COVID, yeah. What would you say to men who are struggling with
1: porn going into this holiday season? Just know that it's going to be potentially tougher than it usually is. And again, that's not a statement of anything that's wrong with you. It's the dumpster fire of the world that we're in right now. You know, um, there are things that we have been dealt that we can't do anything about. But there are some things that we can do about them to, to not be as susceptible. You know, CPR is great. Um, also, the, the reverse side of the call is if you know of a, a friend who's struggling, you don't have to wait for him to call you. You can call and check on another person. Now, it's their responsibility, but it's certainly a way to make them feel loved. If you are thinking about somebody, then maybe that's the Holy Spirit prompting you to reach out and call them. Um, the other thing I would say is find a way to connect to community. Um, if you have a regular meeting that you go to and it's not meeting as frequently during the holidays, then find a virtual meeting or a call in meeting. Um, you know, Awaken has a virtual meeting and I could, you know, through you get the information to people on how to do that. Um, Sex Addicts Anonymous have phone meetings every day of the week. Um, and so even if it's not something that's going to be a part of your long term plan, if it's something to help you stay in your process, then then it's going to be it's going to be good and and then just remembering grace i mean gosh um god god understands and he knows and it's not that he's okay with sin um but he's dealt with sin he's dealt with it you know and and when i when i talk to people who are just in the in the immediate aftermath of a a relapse they're beating themselves up. They're questioning their salvation. They're, they're talking in terms of how disappointed God must be in them. I'm like, you're missing his heart. Um, you're punishing yourself, and you're the only one punishing you because God's already punished your sin. He punished Jesus for it, and he can't punish the same sin twice. What God wants is for you to remember who you are, who he's made you, and quit acting like who you used to be because that's why you're miserable. You know, so much of this is about identity and you are not what you do for good or for bad, you know, and and that really deals with a lot of the shame or pride that keeps us from really seeing grace in the gospel. As, at least that's how I see it.
0: One of the other things I've heard you talk about is showing that grace for ourselves. Yeah. What does that look
1: like? Well, for me, it looks like, honesty. Like if I find myself kind of drifting into checking out and and I'm like, this is not leading me anywhere good. Um, Just I will, if I'm by myself, I've gotten kind of in the habit. I'll have out loud conversations with myself. What's going on? What are you doing? What are you feeling? Um, What do you need to remember? And I'll just, and I'll answer those questions. Mm -hmm. And, And then I have a few friends that I will call and I'll have the same conversation with them. And I'll give another person the chance to say it back to me because they will tend to be even more gracious with me than I am. Yeah. and um and I just I feel like in connecting with those men and hearing them they're not saying oh it, what you did is no big deal or what you thought is no big deal what they're saying is what the big deal is is that you chose to connect out of this and you chose not to hide and that's that's really really big and and I feel like when they are gracious that's they're they're like channeling the voice of of Jesus you know, just like what Paul talks about in Romans when he says that it's the kindness of, of God that leads us to repent. Um, it's not when he lowers the hammer, you know, or really kicks the crap out of us and makes us feel terrible because he doesn't do that anymore because he doesn't have to because of what Jesus did on the cross. So, you know, being gracious to myself is saying there's a reason why I'm feeling the way I do. That's it's not anything I'm doing wrong. Uh, but what do I want to do with these feelings? You know. What do I want to do instead? I, like when I'm coaching a guy and, you know, he really, he tends to just run to masturbation if he's feeling stressed out. I'll say, you know, right there, he's sitting on that couch and I'll say, okay, I want you to show me the hand that you use to masturbate with. And he'll kind of look like that, but then he'll go like that. And I'll say, okay, look at those fingers and, and look at him and say, what do I really want? What do I really want? And so before you start to let that hand go where it's gone so many times before, just ask yourself that question. What do I really want? Is an orgasm all I want right now? Um, Because if that's really all that your heart wants, I mean, I guess you can can do that and see if you feel fulfilled and joyful. But the way you've been describing it, that doesn't bring you joy. And so what would bring me joy is to say, okay, if I don't go and do the escaping thing, what is the better thing that I need to do right now? So take that hand, pick up your phone, call a brother (laughs) and let him speak grace to you, you know, and it's, it's a discipline that we have to get in the habit of, but my gosh, robbing yourself of that, you know, immediate release of having an orgasm. It's so worth it when you actually feel connected because connection is what you were looking for anyway.
0: Amen. And for everyone out here who's like, yeah, I've heard you guys talk about calling others. Are you really doing it? Yeah. Yeah, Be- because if you are, you know the power.
1: Yeah, and if you're not, then it's an unproven theory. It's an untested theory. Yeah, I promise you, it works. Like I promise you, if you get in the habit of calling, it works.
0: Mm-hmm. And if you are calling somebody every night and it's not mm-hmm. working, let me know, and we can you know, we can set up a time to figure out what's
1: going on. Well, sure, but and making calls not magic, right? I mean, it's not going to guarantee that you don't act out. But what it's a part of doing is it's a part of turning the ship you know if it's been going in a certain direction full steam then you're having to do several things you're having to let off the the engine and then you're having to turn the wheel and it takes a big ship a long time to turn and so if you're in the early stages you might make a call and then you end up acting out anyway and you say well that didn't work well it hasn't produced the result i want yet just add the word yet to the Mm -hmm. end of that don't say it doesn't work say I haven't experienced it working yet. I'm going to keep trying because how many years have we spent developing the addictive habit? It's going to take some time. Yeah. The fact that you've made the call shows that you're already doing something different than you did before.
0: Man, that's so helpful to think that some of these little habits and little disciplines might not yield results that we can see that doesn't mean nothing is happening. And over time, when they reach a critical threshold, all of a sudden, yeah. Things change.
1: That's right. That's right. Sometimes you can kind of feel like, "Gosh, something really turned here." Sometimes you look back and say, "Wow, it's been a year and a half since I acted out. How'd that happen?" You know. And and both are great. Well, it's been many
0: years since you and I have acted out, and it's a wonderful thing to be able to say we're free. What is your favorite thing about freedom from porn?
1: (laughs) Um, Having options. And here's what I mean by that. Before I was in recovery, um, when I was coming to that point in my cycle, when I was about to go in, into relapse or acting out mode, I could sometimes be sitting at my desk at the church where I worked hours before acting out, it's already happened. And, and anybody who's addicted knows that feeling like you haven't done it yet, but the train's left the station. It's not coming back until after this is done. And now I don't have to do this. There are other options. So just knowing that I'm not chained to it anymore um, has been huge. Knowing that I'm free uh, and actually free, not just as a buzzword. And then the other thing is just knowing, like we said earlier, that my actions aren't my identity. If I were to act out again, it doesn't mean that that's who I am. And that really speaks to the shame. If I never act out again, it doesn't mean that I fixed myself, which speaks to the pride you know my identity is fixed because I'm who God says I am and it's because of what Jesus did and since I can't change what he did I can't change the 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 status that he has brought me into because I trusted in that and you know sobriety helps make it easier for me to realize that and be joyful mm-hmm. and peaceful um because then that's when I'm living consistently with who I really am amen Man, it's good stuff. Thanks, Drew. I love talking about this, and I really appreciate the chance to have a conversation with you. It's just it really, it, it pumps me up every time I get to talk about what, what God's done and just what the last years have looked like. Yeah, it's encouraging. It's
0: a great boost going into a difficult time. Greg, if people want to connect with you,
1: mm-hmm. what should they do? They can go to awakenrecovery.com um, or they can email me at greg, G R E G. At awakenrecovery.com, um, the website talks about some of the things that we offer. Um, you know, we're in Birmingham, Alabama, and so some of the things are local, but we do have virtual meetings for men and women.
0: And I will put a link to those virtual meetings and to this website in the show notes, so you can just check out the link right there.
1: Yeah, perfect. That's great. And and you'll find out about some of the different resources that we offer, or either offer ourselves or have available to connect people with. So yeah, just go to the website or email me. Tell me what's going on and we'd love to connect.
0: And you're available for coaching, right?
1: Yes, yes. Um, both Stacy and I are available for coaching. I do recovery-based coaching. Um, she, uh, and I, I only do one-on-one with guys. She does one-on-one with women and we'll do couples together. Um, assuming that they're in a place where like couples work is appropriate. Uh, sometimes it's it's appropriate to do individual work first, but yeah, we're available for that.
0: Greg, you guys do weekend intensives, four-day intensives Mm on-site in Birmingham, and your next one is coming up.
1: That's right. We call it the Roots Retreat um, because it's all about getting to the roots of the struggle uh, because that's where the healing starts. Uh, It's a Thursday afternoon through a Sunday afternoon, so it's like 72 hours spread out over four days. Um, We do them in February, June, and October. February 4th through the 7th is our next intensive, um, and it's here in Birmingham. Uh, The June one next year is going to be in Nashville, Tennessee, and then October will be here in Birmingham. So uh, if you go to awakenrecovery.com slash roots retreat, you can get all the information on that. We'd love to have you come.
0: Great. Thanks for joining us today. And if you guys want to join us for a little bit of encouragement and community before the holiday season, come to the Husband Material Christmas Party this week. Have more information in the show notes. And always remember, you are God's beloved
1: son. And you, he's well pleased.